everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a brand new podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that uh, rock music, punk rock, uh, metal or even extreme metal. Coming up on this week's show, we've got live reviews from Skindred with support from Borders and Aaron Buchanan and the Cult Classic, as well as Enshikari being supported by Human Error and Milk Tea. Along with that, we've got some album reviews from Shining, the Norwegian one, Basement, Unflesh, and Architect. But first, some news. Um, I have to say this is going to be a podcast celebrating everything that's alive and well within alternative music. Lower Than Atlantis have announced that they are going to split up within the new year. Uh, after 11 years, the band announced on social media that it will be breaking up following three shows in May of 2019. The shows will also be accompanied by a new song written and produced by members of the band. Quite a bittersweet one, to be honest. Uh, I've When I first started getting like, properly into music around the sort of time as Fuck You and World Record, for me, Lower Than Land is one of the first bands who try and take that gritty alternative sound and try and bring it to a mainstream audience kind of like how nowadays uh milk tip have been doing it uh marmosets have been doing it and more recently turnstile lower than lights were the first ones for me and i remember back in the day talking on the old metal hammer podcast facebook group there's a lot of love for the band particularly those first two records so and it is a shame and i saw them earlier this year and despite the fact they have moved away from arguably what made them popular and they've gone to more of a accessible arena rock sound still still were fantastic on the night and yeah it's a terrible shame they have said though that each member of the band already has like new projects on the way they've all got fingers and pies so in their current guys lads are gone but we will probably see, still see more music from them individually in the near future. Faith No More keyboardist Roddy Bottom, I really hope I pronounced that right because it looks like Bottom, um, has announced that himself, bassist Billy Gould and drummer Mike Borden have all been start working on new music together, albeit periodically. Um, basically this comes from a big statement released by Bottom, basically saying that how Whenever they get free time, himself, Gould and Borden sort of get together, write a bit of music, and they're hoping that that will eventually become a follow-up to Soul Invictus, which is kind of a surprise. When Soul Invictus came out, which obviously the most recent album, Faith and More Made, following their reformation a few years back, the general consensus was they were going to release that, tour that, and then that would be that. So to hear that, they are writing music together with the hope that they can get everyone else on board to make it a new Faith and More album is really exciting actually because I fucking love Soul Invictus. It was the first proper Faith and More album I got into and yeah from what I've heard it's probably one of the best comeback albums of all time so really hoping that comes to fruition and we do get a new F&M album in the future. This week Deftones have announced, uh, literally just as I was about to record this, Deftones have announced on Instagram that they will be releasing new music in the new year. I believe it was their bassist who put something on Instagram. Basically, looked like a picture from a hotel room and the hashtags on it were Deftones New Music 2019. Very, very subtle way of doing it. Very the current year way of doing it. But I think everyone's down for a new Deftones album. Steven Carpenter, their guitarist, has also teased that there's going to be a nine-string guitar in there, which is intriguing because they do have they are known for their big fat tunes, and he does like to be a bit widdly diddly that boy. From the very limited knowledge I have of Deftones, he do if he's in charge of it, it tend, does tend to be a lot heavier records and a lot more guitar driven. So. That's always exciting. And the news that probably everyone has seen this week is legendary Canadian doom metal outfit Witch Rot have announced a split after just a single EP. Now that alone is not anything to really know about. Not even I had heard of Witch Rot. But it's the statement that came with the announcement and it reads as follows. 
due to the unfortunate reality of our guitarist fucking my girlfriend of almost seven years, Witch Rock will be taking an extended hiatus. I will, however, continue the band in another space and time, being right with hate, the music is slowly flowing, and without a doubt will become the most devastating fortress music I have ever created. Thanks for the support. Stay heavy, Peter. Also, our drummer died. Which is just the best one. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, because at the end it does say, like, our drummer died. But I'll get onto that in a sec. First of all, their guitarist, the one that's been sleeping with, Peter, I believe, was the bassist. Uh, yeah, because I've actually gone and had a look at Witch Rock. They are like a stoner, doom rock kind of outfit. Had a female lead singer. They weren't that bad, actually. Not my kind of thing. I don't like doom metal that much. But for what they're worth, I thought they were very good. If they obviously could have stayed together, they might have been a bit more. But the guitarist that's like stole Peter's girlfriend away from her is called Kai Ull. Not Kyle. His first name is Kai and his last name is Ull. U-L-L. And I've I don't know if I want that to be his stage name, or if that's his legit, or if I want that to be his legit name. But if my girlfriend got stolen by a man called Kai Ull, I think I'd be pretty devastated as well. And as for the drummer dying, um, I had a look on the Encyclopedia Metallum page, and even if you're part of a band that isn't particularly metal, you're like they will appear under your name. And whatever live band you like work with. For example, Jorgen Monkby from the Norwegian version of Shining. Shining themselves aren't on Cyclopedia Talent. They've never been deemed as metal enough. But because of all the work he's done with Ishan and Enslaved and that kind of thing, he will appear on the website and have all those names attached to him when you click his profile. Which rock? Drummer Simon Koo, Simon Cow, Simon Koo, K A K K O U. I'm gonna go with Koo. Uh, Simon Koo is on there, and he's listed with two other bands. Uh, one called I think Bloin and something about teeth. I probably should remember that by now, but oh well. But basically, as of very very recent, Simon Koo is still in a lot of promo pitches for both bands. And when I say quite recently, I mean tail end of November. And neither band has said anything about Simon dying. So I'm hesitant to like really go on that much because I'm not 100% sure he is in fact dead. Obviously he's dead. Massive, massive shame. Regardless on how much Witch Raw have or have not made it. But it's a weird statement. It's a fucking incredible way to announce your band splitting up and i only found this morning that it actually the statement came attached with an image and it's basically a like when those like um big music cases the black ones on wheels it looked like one of them full of old clothes and wires and just like a mangled broken shredded guitar in there as well just it's incredible and i want i want to hear so much more but alas peter has decided to put on he says extended hiatus which is i hate that word hiatus but basically band split up i imagine if and when they split up in a few uh, split up, when they reform in a few years time and they're new guys it'll be a talking point everywhere and imagine he'll get like the shit ripped out of him for a long time to come but until such time I can't eat bloody weight, lad. New music released this week from Milk Teeth. They released a new song called Stain, which they played on a new tour with Shikari, which I'll go through in a bit. And also AFI have released a new song called Trash Bat, and it's going to be in conjunction with their new EP called The Missing Man due the 7th of December, which is later this week. How exciting. And there's also been new albums announced from Children of Bottom. They've got an album called Hex coming out in early 2019. Metallica are releasing an acoustic album because they've done literally everything else so far. Um, the album's going to be called Helping Hands Live and Acoustic at the Masonic. It's coming out the 1st of February next year and will benefit the band's new All Within My Hands Foundation, which helps to provide aid to various charities, actually. I've actually got this one here. Uh, All Within My Hands Foundation is dedicated to creating sustainable 
sustainable I should say, communities by supporting workforce education, fight against hunger and other critical local services. So it's kind of like an all-encompassing charity and with the acoustic album hopefully um, earn some better dollar for it, which I'm all down for. And the final album that I've seen announced for this announced this week for a future release is Symphonic Power Metal Band Rhapsody of Fire, who I always have a soft spot for, have released have said they are going to release the Eighth Mountain on the twenty second of February next year. So live reviews, please don't get used to this section. I don't have enough money to go out and gigs every week. Also, my spine is still very tender. We'll start off with Skindra. They were supported by Borders and Aaron Buchanan and the Cult Classics. Uh, we'll start with Borders because that makes sense. Very bouncy new metalcore. Um, if you're into that kind of thing, I reckon these are like one of the better growing bands at it. Even I found it cat, um, catchy as balls. The one thing I don't like about a lot of that kind of metalcore is when they have their clean vocalists. It's very, it's super clean. Like sleeping with sirens, almost squeaky, please hit puberty level. These guys though, they were super technical as well as super bouncy. Um, the lead vocalist made Scream sound well live because I think it's a very, very difficult thing to do. And from that, their quote-unquote cleans were done by the guitarist who has a lot more gravelly voice for like the kind of cleans I've seen before. So I re do reckon there could be a lot there. But the one thing I could not take my eyes off is their bassist. He is the happiest man the known planet has ever seen. He was like five foot four, long, beautiful flowing hair, and no matter what part of the song it was, whether it's the um, chorus, it's a random verse, it's a heavy breakdown, or what, when everyone else is trying to be super metal as fuck, he was there flashing a fucking big old smile, having a little dance, and we christened him Hawaiian, and basically we want him to be the new Aquaman. So, if you are a fan, I'd say. If you're a fan of like of Mice and Men, particularly uh, the I can't remember what the album was called, the last one with Austin in it, that was actually really really fucking good, and not that heap of shit that came out like um, earlier this year. I reckon you really like that. Also, again before the album released this year, Asking Alexandria. What was that album called? Restoring Force. Um, yeah, if you like Restoring Force era of Mice and Men or anything before that, or if you liked Ask Alexandra before they became an alt-rock shitstorm, I reckon you really dig into Borders, and yeah, I reckon I'm gonna, gonna keep an eye on them for the future. After that, it, so having Borders and Arabi Canning separately was quite a weird support for Skindra, because like I said, Borders were like a super bouncy new metal band, but they were still quite very screen vocals, very harsh vocals, super heavy. Obviously, Skin Drop, we know, are like reggae-infused, new metal, heavy metal. Aaron Buchanan was like a bluesy heavy metal band. Um, spawned by the former vocalist of Heaven's Basement, who I had heard of, and I didn't realise I had heard them before. Um, so he came out, he was super charismatic. He owned that stage. I think I'll get on the skinchin in a second. He It's big to say that they might have overshadowed Skindred, but the way he interacted with the audience, the way he he looked like he was having a really good time. And he looked like he was super happy to be there. And when Skindred were playing, he was just sat stage side just watching it and he just looked like he was having a fucking awesome time. He came out in a really gaudy, terrible-looking jacket, and I want six of them. It's kind of like all black with like floral pattern going diagonally across it. And he said he picked it up from the like lakeside shopping market, which is literally about five minutes away from where we were. He surfed on a giant flamingo floaty, which is just like the mainstay of the venue that we have. And when he first came on. Me and the friends that I went with sort of said to him that he, we've wa he's watched Bohemian Rhapsody and thought, yes, 
that's what I want to be, which is fair enough. I think everyone at some point wants to be Freddie Mercury. But the way he struts around stage, the way he like dances and interacts with the other members of his band, he was really, really good. Um, and like I said, he played a few songs from back when he was uh, in Heaven's Basement. I'm Electric. That was a song that I didn't realise I knew. He played that and it sounds fucking huge. If you're a fan, so because it, he could s- switch so seamlessly between what he what he's playing now and what he's playing then, I'd say if you ever listen to Heaven's Basement, I reckon you'll really dig this new band. Also, I got a lot of Alterbridge vibes. I don't know if that's just because they've got very similar kind of vocalists. Like quite quite powerful, yet a little bit on the higher side. So yeah, I reckon if you're into Alderbridge, you're into Heaven's Basement, definitely check these out. I'll be keeping an eye out for them more in the future. The only thing that disappointed me was when I looked them up, obviously I saw that this was former Heaven's Basement vocalist. A few other guys in the band have been in other bands previously but the one that made note for me was their drummer a gentleman by the name of Paul White now Paul White on its own is a very generic name I also know it's the name of a wrestler called Big Show and he's amazing this Paul White though was the drummer of a industrial metalcore band called The Defiled and I fucking love The Defiled and I was super hyped to see him play again and it sounds really fanboy. I'd love to like go and chat to him afterwards. I probably won't have them because I'm awkward as fuck. But go and see him afterwards and just say like, look, what you did tonight was fucking incredible. But the defiled was fucking better. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it for whatever reason. And the guy that had the sex it confused me for a while. I'm used. To, I was looking for this big gothic dude with long flowing black hair, covered in tattoos. What I got instead was quite a scrawny bald guy with a discolored tattoo. Still did the job very, very well, but when you've got one thing in your head and you get something, it's like a bad Tinder date. Well, a weird Tinder date, I should say. I feel like I'm sagging off this new drummer. I don't mean to, man. But yeah, that was Aaron Buchanan, the cult classics. Like I said, huge amount of fun. If you can get to see them, I'd say, based on the skin drip that I got the other night, I'd say if you can go watch Buchanan, I'd say go for that more skin drip. On to the aforementioned Dread of Skin. They all came out. They all look like a million fucking bucks. Like Benji. I don't know how Benji survived. He looked like he was wearing about eight layers. But he looked fucking magnificent. Everyone was dressed in the most flamboyant yet gothic way you could. Um, I think the guitarist name was Mikey. Just got like such a massive ginger Amish beard. It, it, they were all looked like the fucking pit. But for whatever reason, I'd heard so much about Skin Dread Live. For whatever reason, though, this performance of this show was so very average. Like, Benji, for a lot of the show, just looked pissed off. And you've got the level of, how's everyone doing? You get like, woo, yeah. It's like, no, no, that was shit. How is everyone doing? And that makes everyone go fucking ape shit. Like, Borders were doing it, and Buchanan was doing it. I get it, it's a thing that people do. But he just seemed, Benji just seemed really, really pissed off, and he, like, he didn't want to be there. And the bit that got me was I'll be the first one. I don't gig a lot. Thanks to years of social awkwardness, like, jumping in, having to, like, human contact for a long period of time not about that life and he said like oh I can see some people here stood to the side or just like looking around just thinking oh I'm just gonna I'm just gonna watch it I just like to watch music get the fuck out I don't want you here I'm like mate everyone enjoys gigs a little bit differently some people yeah like to go head first into a pit and get the shit kicked out of them some people like to be the dickheads who do hardcore dancing. Some people like to just be at the front and have it as a live jukebox. That's how, that's how I know I like to enjoy gigs now. But yeah, he just seemed very antagonist. I don't know if it's just that's his humour or what, but the fact that 
the set them the set itself was a lot of big hits, a lot of stuff from the new uh, Big Kings album. There's a few songs that I would like to play, but that's always the case. But they still had a very like hits heavy set. But they didn't do Warning, which therefore meant that they didn't do the Newport Helicopter. They had no encore, and that's the thing that really confused everyone. Because I looked at the set list beforehand because there was a certain song I was looking out for, and they'd been playing an encore throughout the entire run. I know this is like quite early in the tour, but the tour that they previously, whoever it was, they were still doing encores and still always warnings. They played the last song, and they had like this music playing at the the tail end, just like over the PA. And then the lights didn't come all the way up. They came up on the stage, but the crowd was still a little bit in the dark. And you had a couple of stagehands come on, take off some of the cables and some of the wiring from the drum kit. But apart from that, they didn't do a great deal. Because a part of me feels like not even they were expecting the show to end like that. Because they weren't collapsing down mic stands. They weren't really getting rid of... Um amps or speakers or the keyboard or anything like that they just sort of kind of stood there for a bit and then yeah the final lights came up and all the guards were like okay yeah we're gonna have to usher you all out now and everyone was just so confused to the point where they weren't even booing they were just befuddled and i don't blame like i said i don't know what it was but venue just seemed very off tonight the only thing I could possibly think of is if you go onto YouTube and you type in Newport Helicopter and Skin Judge, you'll inevitably get to download 2011, which is where I think Newport Helicopter first became a thing. And for those who don't know, Newport Helicopter, take a shirt off, wing, um, windmill it in the air to the breakdown as opposed to like jump the fuck up what um, Slipknot did back in the day. And yeah, you look at that and that's, an, that's so many, that's thousands of people getting on board with this and then now a few years later you you're in a 900 cap venue i think it was 900 cap and they've had to pull the curtain across halfway because you didn't sell enough tickets so it's probably like it's like 400 people in this venue i can see why but the you would think the people who have made the effort to come down you'd make them remember that show for better reasons than what you currently have done so i don't know it's a very it's a quite disappointing show be completely honest and um, I would like to try them again to make sure it was just like a one-off but hope let's say hopefully it's not like a, a a sign of what they are now especially when they've released like big things has got a lot of really really good songs on there and yeah just like I said it just it just didn't seem right compared to the aura they've got behind them and on a personal note I know that, well, this was the first time, like I said, I'd ever been into a mosh pit before. Because social awkwardness, human interaction, blah, 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 blah. First time I tried to jump in, my awkwardness got the better of me. Because as I jumped, I ended up in limbo. If I took a step further, I'd be in the pit. If I took a step back, I'd look like a wally and just joining with the edge of the pit. So I just sort of stood there awkwardly for a while. And then when I eventually did jump in, immediately, immediately... I got hit in a dick by a guy dressed like a ninja. Complete with like styrofoam, shoulder blades and the mask and everything like that. Immediately hit the dick, turned around, it was him. And I just couldn't be angry. I just couldn't not laugh. I even said to him, because it like, got quite a bit, it's like, you just hit me in the dick. And he just like nodded at me. I said, like, I'm sorry, dude. We fist bumped and then we carried on. And it was probably one of the most surreal experiences I'll ever have. But next time you're at a Skin Dread concert, beware of dick ninjas. And then the following night, we had Enshikari supported by... It was meant to be supported just by Milk Teeth, but... Like... Wheeling their way in was a band called Human Error. And they were, again, quite a weird choice. Because I'd even say they were more towards the side of Deathcore than Metalcore. And they were very generic. Not my sort of thing at all. Um, I almost felt like the sound was against them. Which I didn't think at the time. But they might kept 
popping or it kept doing that like strange vocal thing and i thought ah this is just not it's just not for this um but it happened to milk teeth and shikara as well so i think sam was against them tonight they had a lot of backing track which was a bit of a shame i think they need to employ a second guitarist just to like the rhythm um a lot of the rhythm stuff was played in the background and it looked really bad on their guitarist part. Like you've got all this thing happening in the background, and he's just there, like doing very occasional strokes. I'm like, yeah, well, it wasn't great. If you're a fan of that kind of thing, I don't know. I'm not very ver- well versed in deathcore, but from like the knowledge I have, I reckon if you're into like a less riffy Whitechapel or Board of Osiris, then by all means check this band out. They're called Human Error. They're still quite low key because, like I said, we didn't even know they were playing. Brings us on to Milk Teeth. I, oh, I fucking love Milk Teeth. I'm going to be so super biased. If it wasn't for the fact that they were supporting Enchikari, I would have said they'd blown whoever the headline. If they were pl- if they were supporting Skin Dread instead of Aaron Buchanan, then Skin um, Milk Teeth would have blown Skin Dread out of the water. Um, for those who don't know who Milk Teeth are, they're very grungy punk rock. Um, they fucking have to keep hitting the microphone. I know it sounds cliche to compare them to Nirvana because Nirvana is like the go-to thing for everything grunge. But the way that you've got the occasion of very dark end of grunge, very slow pace, and then it like builds up to something very dirty and gritty. To then you've also got songs that are very like they sound upbeat, but lyrically they're a fucking mess. That is milk teeth down to a T. They supported Lowdown and Lats when they came to Lincoln. And in hindsight, the LTA gig was quite a sad one for them. Because when they played, they were quite static. And they weren't really themselves. And I just, well, for what I perceived as themselves, just based on what I've seen online and what I've read about them. And I just thought that maybe they were tired or whatever. And literally within a week of that show, they had to pull out of the rest of the LTA because Becky needed some time off to look after herself, which is fair enough. And then I think within a month of that, their guitarist Chris and then eventually their other guitarist Billy both left the band. Chris is still like, there's an air of mystery about that. It was just very suddenly Chris left the band. We don't want to talk about it. Whereas Billy was a little bit more low key, but he basically said, Yeah, I've done everything I can. I only need to spend more time with family. Deuces came up tonight they had so much better energy they didn't have their new guitarist M. Um, I found out that she was with her main uh, other band Nervous in Huddersfield they had a guy called Max Steppen he did a great job but they had so much better energy than the LTA tour like I said if it wasn't for if it wasn't for that they were supporting Enter Shikari one of the biggest live bands the UK have got right now they'd have stopped the show anytime they took a like the band took a break from singing or like Becky like took a gap to breathe in. The crowd were already singing at her legs. They knew the words of pretty much every song. There's a part in there's got a song called Nearby Catfight. Towards the end of it, it's got not so much as a rap, but a very quick spoken word bit that was done by their former guitarist Billy. There was two girls that stood in front of me. Who so the band just let it play? They just played the music behind it. They didn't have any playing it. But those two girls sung that part word for word, perfectly. Like this is a band who I give it maybe a year, and they will be headline tour, and they will have everyone singing back at them. And I cannot fucking wait. Like I said, they um, recently song the other day called Stain. That was their final song they played. It sounds fucking mega live. Definitely gone back down to like the dirtier grungy side of things and i saw recently on twitter that they said as much as they liked the two eps be nice to go away it is that's too close to pop for what they wanted or for what becky wanted they want to take it back to the grunge sound that made them popular in vile child and yeah the rest of the album sound like stain i'm fucking ecstatic it sounded so good and points for the drummer ollie he looked completely fucking insane you know how Rowan Atkinson in Mr. Bean he's, he's been told he's got like a rubber face 
Ollie kind of reminded me of a demented brother of Rowan Atkinson because his face did every shape you could possibly think of and he looked like he needed to be put away for a while. And ah, oh. Not many drummers can steal a show. That's particularly live, but your boy did it. If... I struggle to find, like, bands to compare him to, but I reckon... If you're a fan of Dirty Neil or Basement, which I'll have a talk about a little bit later, that sort of dirty side of punk rock, dirty side of... Mm, I was going to say punk rock, but I don't... Uh, pop punk, but I don't believe that. Yeah, the dirty side of punk rock, or, like, the... Alternatively, the, like, happier sounding grunge. Fucking look up Luke, uh, Milk Tea. They are just... Unreal. I fucking love these bits. Which leads us to Enshikari. Oh my god. My neck still hurts. So after Milk Tea um, finished, we turned around, we turned around a few points in the night and thought, are we sure this place is sold out? As soon as Milk Tea finished, we turned around and we realised we could not go anywhere. We couldn't go to the bathroom, we couldn't get another drink. We were just stuck there, what seemed like forever, because the room very, very quickly got packed. And so we stood there for 30 minutes waiting for them to set up. And as soon as the first note hit, the room just erupted and it didn't sit still for the rest of the night. I started, I started the night like front middle because I wanted to obviously get close to Milk Tea. I ended up front right, back to front middle, back to front right, a little bit further back right, pretty much front center center liver to left and then front um left i got thrown around every which way i must i'm a tall boy i must have crushed so many people just with height i'm like i'm so sorry just please don't be angry forgetting that this is a mosh pit and this is very very normal behavior but my fucking god it's so great watching you think of all you Loading on that, as much as we, as it kind of means now at the moment to compare them, but look at a band like Loading on that, look at a band like Shikari. People have sort of like grown out of that Loading on that phase, whether or not they've gone to like the pop side of things or whatever. People have grown up with Shikari. Like, I know The Spark, the latest album, is very, very poppy, and it's not appealed to a lot of diehard fan side. I fucking love it personally. But. It's, they've got such a huge following to the point where I'm quite surprised a 900 cap venue was even able to get them. They have got such a great stage presence. Like, Rue can get away with the most whitest dancing. Just like body popping and sh wiggling his arms and that kind of thing. And you lap it up. And the way... It, really subtle things like the way he like moves the mic around for certain parts of songs the way he interacts with the crowd and his little spark box he fucked up a line in live outside which is the encore and he's like come on guys we're gonna stop got the crowd to sing this song back at him and they're like, oh yeah i remember that i don't know if that was an on-purpose thing or a very very clever way of getting of interacting with the crowd but Everything they did, people lapped up, and quite rightly so. It was fucking great gig. And what made it even better is everyone knew the words to every single song, except the new song that's just played called "Stop the Clock," and that song itself is fucking great. But everyone knew the words to every song, and it wasn't a greatest hits show. There was a lot of deep cuts in there, a lot of album filler stuff. So you had things like "Step Up" and "Halcyon" from common dreads you had a labyrinth from take this that take to the skies shrimp and yoku and the revolt of the atoms which sounds fucking great from the spa there's basically a song from every album in there you even had some stuff from i keep wanting to call it last garrison but it's not that that blue one and the one that came before it i can't remember why can i not remember any Shikari album names Either way, they had a lot of stuff from pretty much every album. It was, it, on paper, it felt like a. Oh, Flash of Color reminds me, that's it. On paper, it felt like a greatest hits. It looked like a greatest hits album, but 
because it was all filler. But everyone still knew the words. And he he could have like gone home and just left the other three to carry on playing, and people would have sung back every single word, like the rapier parts, the more OG stuff, and take to the skies, everything. People were so on board with it, and it had like a, as cliche as it sounds, as cheesy as it is, I had a moment I've always wanted to be part of. I've seen so many videos of like more pop acts when they have like a big crescendo part of their song. And they have like um, streamers and confetti cannons and that sort of thing. Always want to be a part of that. And they had that for the end of Live Outside. And I fucking lapped that shit up. I, oh man. I felt like I was in a music video. I feel so white. But it was incredible. Completely shat on Skin Dread's previous fight. Which again is massive shit considering it's Skin Dread. But man yeah I had a great time. And reaffirm why Shikari are probably one of the bigger bands in the UK and artists. In terms of scope and what, who they can bring in, I'd argue that they are probably the biggest alternative band at the moment. Architects can claim can have some sort of claim, but Architects still have quite a niche audience as it is. Um, but we'll get to Architects more in a second, because now we're currently going to do album reviews. And we're going to start... Oh, Every time I keep starting a new section, it's something sad. So, first we're going to start with the band called Shining. This is the Norwegian Shining, which is a Swedish one who do depressive black metal. It's all about killing yourself. We're not doing that one. We're doing a Norwegian one, which previously were all about a thing called Black Jazz, which I'll talk about in a second. The album is called Animals. Um, oh, squeaky chair. So, Shining started out as a instrumental jazz quartet. And they did that for their first two albums. They've been doing quite a while. I think it was like 98, 99 they formed. Started out as like an instrumental jazz quartet. Been doing that, doing what you do. And then they moved to Jorgen Monkeby, who's the saxophonist. 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 He started to do more vocal stuff. And then that eventually moved his sound to more experimental jazzy rock kind of thing for albums three and four. For album 5 in 2010, they created their own genre, which they called Black Jazz, which was very jazz-influenced, extreme metal, and it was insane. It had bits of, like I said, jazz, avant-garde, black metal, death metal, prog. It was a clusterfuck of things, and it had a cover of... 21st century schizoid man which sounded fucking evil and it was amazing and for the three albums since so it was black jazz 111 and international black jazz society they've kept the core remnants of that black jazz black jazz sound and just made it progressively more i guess accessible like the latest album international black jazz society it's very like it's just progressive heavy metal. It's got lot, still got the saxophones in there. Still very. Your uh, monkey bee can get his uh, um, vocals. Fucking top to bottom. He's got really good range as a vocalist. Still black jazz, but still you could probably get to like a more easygoing audience. And I've I've got a soft spot for shining based on the fact that a that album black jazz is incredible. B, it's kind of introduced me to this Scandinavian avant-garde prog scene. So, like I said, they had lots of weird and what, like, the album itself, Black Jazz, was dark, saxophones, odd-sized synths, odd-time signatures. And from there, I've managed to, I've found myself getting really into a band called Mains from Norway. They are very, like, electro-avant-garde metal, uh, Leprous. Which people may know if you know of Ishan, the former Emperor vocalist, and his new and his solo project. Leprous tend to be his backing band because I think the lead singer of Leprous is the brother-in-law of Ishan, which is a fucking great family meal. And also Vola from Denmark. And they are again very synthy. They've got more prog rock now, but they were like quite a at times very crushing prog metal 
with interludes and very like softly spoken stuff. Yeah, very good. All three bands. Definitely check them out if you like weird stuff. And like I said, all all those three bands that I got into all started with Shining, based on all the things I said there before. There's dark, sexual, odd times images. This new album, Shining, um, Animal, sorry, has none of those things. It's almost poppy. I daren't call this power metal, but then I daren't call this straight up heavy metal. There's loads of synths on there. I it feels dirty, but I say it's almost mainstream, and I hate to kind of use that like that, use that word in that kind of way. The main riff from the song called My Church, it's a oh, it's so annoyingly catchy, My Church, but because the main riff from that sounds exactly like Burn It To The Ground by Nickelback. And once you make that comparison, there's no going back. I fucking love both those songs, and I hate it at the same time. Um, they've got a song in there called Hole In The Sky, which is not a Black Sabbath cover. It is a very weird indie pop ballad, which doesn't really go anywhere. And the lyrics to Take Me are un-fucking-givable. Um, oh Lord, here we go. Take me now. Don't take it slow. And just, it's not good. It just really isn't good, and it's such a shame. Like, I, said, oh, I really, really like this band. And there are times where Monkey's vocals are still like top range. Like I said, he's got such a great range. He can go from he hasn't got similar to what I was saying about Borders. Actually, he hasn't got like super clean chart level vocals, but his quote unquote cleans are they're very clear. He's just got like a gravity voice, that's all it is. But they get synthed. I don't know to don't think to the point of auto-tuning, but I don't know if he's just like taking classes to try and smooth out his voice or what, but it's so overproduced his vocals sometimes. But when he's left to like give his full range, I think the best example is a song called Smash It Up, which is annoying because it's got an exclamation mark at the end of the song title, which is just 14 year old writing songs in a back of the homework diary, but nevertheless, that's probably the best example of this because it it is, he can use, he can scream, he can use his like gruff cleans, he can go everywhere with his vocals. And I really don't want to believe that this is a cash grab. Shining have changed their genre at least three times before, twice, two times before, sorry. They were like the instrumental, like freeform jazz, or like experimental jazz rock. Then it were black jazz, and now they've got this. It'd be daft for a band who's been going for twenty odd years to not experiment with sound. And I've seen before with Shining, there's been times where it's worked so well for them. This is not one of those times. And if they want to stick with this newer, like more commercial sound, then I, who am I to tell a band what to do? But want, I'd much prefer them if they brought in more elements from that black jazz stuff. Get rid of like the really overly produced vocals because Monkey's voice can stand alone. They are, to me, I, one of my favorite vocalists. I think he can like handle that sort of thing by himself. And yeah, just get away from like the very generic riffs. Bring back. I think the progression they were doing from going from a more commercial sound with the black jazz stuff. What this album arguably should have been would have been a very straight up heavy metal album with saxophones on top, which I think would have been a lot better. It would have been very different, but a lot better than this. But again, if I've compared, like I've got little fans of if you like the newer inflames album battles which i didn't like but if you like um newer inflames the newer avatar stuff or even muse this is the level that of commerciality it is if you're liking muse like the heavy end of muse or like i said the newer inflames avatar stuff feel free to check this out it's still it's one of the ones where it's annoyingly catchy it's probably a guilty pleasure for me at the moment but yeah it's out now 
Shining from Norway, make sure you get Shining from Norway, because if you get the one from Sweden, you are going to just have an awful time having a man screaming you Kelly to kill yourself in Swedish. We've all been there. And the album's called Animals. It's You cannot miss it. It's bright yellow with pink on it. And from one end of the scale to the other. Up next is Basement with the album Beside Myself. It is the fourth album from Ipswich based band. And it's the second since they reformed in 2014. So, oh, this chair is not comfortable. So there's a selection of bands who are trying to make emo cool again. So you've got bands like The One New Years, uh, Spanish Love Song. Tiny moving parts. They're trying to make emo again, back again to where it was all about emotive, big songs, and less about guyliner. And basement themselves, it used to be along the lines of Milk Teeth, which is why I compared them earlier. They were very grunge, heavy punk bands. And over the course of time, particularly after they reformed in 2014, they've moved more to like an alt rock emo sort of vibe. But along the way, they've always had a really good melody and really big choruses. And their singer, Andrew Fisher, is definitely that. He's a singer. Doesn't really scream, doesn't really shout. Even when they were at the noisiest ones, back when they were a grunge band, he's always made sure that he sings over the music. And it works really well for them. And as a result, this is a very, very good album. It's bringing in... All the best parts of grunge, of emo, of pop punk. There's a track on there called Stigmata. And it sounds like the song the 1990s forgot. It's so very clean. It's so very like, dissonant. And I, it's it was annoying me. I couldn't think. There's a grunge like grunge rap on the 90s that I could compare this to. But it was one of the, it's one of those songs where you always heard in the background. But you never find out who it was sung by. That kind of thing. And yeah, if this got put on, like, I remember growing up watching VH1 Classic, and for whatever reason, they always used to have, like, a grunge night every, like, Friday or Saturday. I think Stigmata could fit right in there very, very easily. Um, the song Slip Away and Be Here Now, to me, evoked the true meaning of pop punk, which is punk music, excuse me, with pop overlay like when you've got th bands like All Time Low and All American Rejects where they play pop music just with the guitars that is not pop pop punk that is just shit especially All Time Low I fucking hate All Time Low man. but with Slip Away and Be Here Now it is very much these are punk rock songs with pop sensibility pop structure very much like how well, what Green Day made popular back in the 90s with Dookie. Excuse me. Um, but the problem I've got with this album, bear in mind, like I said, it's a very, very good album. But the first song, the very first track on this album, a song called Disconnect, it overshadows everything. This, this song, Disconnect, might be the best song of the year. And the same way it helps that the album get noticed on youtube and spotify and that sort of thing for me personally it's almost it's almost damaged the rest of the album because i can be on track six track seven and listen to it all the way through and i will still be humming chorus disconnect it is a sensational song and i feel if it wasn't on here or if, even if it was like a little bit further down the track listing the album would actually benefit from it because you could take these number of songs and think this is a great album. But because you've got this song, for whatever reason, for me, it just makes this is an incredible song. Almost why can't the rest of the album be as good as? Which is very selfish because like, I'm shitting on it, but this album is so very, very good. It's such a great emo album. But, and I strongly, if you've got like the most glancing interest in darker sadder alt rock it's all clean vocals it's all like very amb like not ambient that's the wrong word eclectic and that kind of shit definitely look up this album but even if you 
if your favourite band is Anal Mafrak or Napalm Death or Agrophobic Nosebleed, you will still fucking love Disconnect by Basement. Um, it's probably the biggest emo song since Jimmy Eat World. Anything Jimmy Eat World's ever done. And if you like that, if you like Jimmy Eat World, if you like Spanish love songs, if you like Bayside, definitely go find out this because it is. It, oh man! Now that I've started talking about Disconnect, I've gone inside my head again. So it's the rest of this is going to be a great time. Um, and from that, we're going to move on to more extreme end of things, and we're going to go with a band called Unflesh, and they've got their debut album called Savior. Um, this used to be a four, this used to be a one man band. It might be again. They had a very well received EP called Transcendence to Eternal Obscurity because of course they do. They're an independent death metal band. Of course that's what their EP is called. And for the savior, the guy behind the band, uh, Ryan Beavers. He's got a full band together for Saviour and I feel like it does help and I'll get to that in a bit but I've seen there's been nothing from like Facebook or Twitter or anything like that to say the rest of the band have gone but that I've seen but on Metallum it's got that it's just Beavers again so I'm not quite sure if it's back to one man project again either way this album is very very heavy very very good and it's quite, I found it quite hard to pinpoint what they actually are. I know I said like a death metal band a minute ago. They are very, very technical. Like um, A lot of people are being rubbed them in the tech death scene. But there's enough melodic death metal elements in there to make it sound, to make it not sound like an angry Game Boy soundtrack. There's like breaks in the song. Vocal, um vocals aren't just way too close to the mic and just sound like someone going all the way down it there's a lot here and it's all backed up by this like black metal atmosphere in the background and there's enough on here to keep your attention like like i said ryan beavers he's the uh, lead singer and guitarist the riffs on this album are just insane one of those ones where you sort of listen to it and you think, how don't kind of human fingers work that quickly? But I will, th- will say, this is probably one of the first albums I can think of, or one of the first albums that I've noticed where the lead part of all the songs, the entire album, are the drums. Which is why I want this more, say, as a band as opposed to a one-man project, because their drummer, who I found out to be a chap called Chris Dovas, worked with them plethora of other bands as well he is uh, the mix on this he is the, basically the lead singer the drums in this album are so fucking good and it's very hard to make death metal drumming sound unique because it's a lot of it's blast beats a lot of it's fills for whatever reason though I just could not stop paying attention to the drums on this album and yeah he just sort of like guides the band he knows when he needs to play like the slower part to let the guitars be the heavy fast part and he knows when to do like the heavy blast beats to either back up the fast paced guitars or in the brief moments when it is like a fully melodeath back melodeath song he knows when to like juxtapose to make it sound great one of the things that got me for this album though although it's got a lot of melodic death metal influences in it it lacks that moment in song and i couldn't think how to describe it the contemporary i thought of is a song called withering ways by black crown initiative where it's very similar to this it's a lot very like proggy technical death metal choruses and very brutal not choruses sorry verses and very brutal vocalist and then when it gets to the chorus, I think the bassist in Black Crown is the clean vocalist. He's got a very, very clean voice. Or for like a more bigger name, look at Strapping Young Lad. It's very fast, 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 fast. And even like the choruses are still very fast, but it's just that key earworm moment from Devon Townsend where 
he either has a certain vocal hook or goes to cleans or something and it just makes you think that song will forever be associated by that hook and then from there you can remember the whole song. None of the songs, as good as they are, have this moment. There's a few songs that come close. Um, there's a synth wall in the title track, Chorus, but it just sort of like builds and builds and builds. It just doesn't really... I use the word climax, but it makes it sounds dirty, but it just doesn't really come to anything. It just builds, 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 and then just disappears, and it goes straight into um, the next verse. There's a melodic break in Disintegration God, which I think is the last song on the album. And on its own, it'd be fine. It would be that moment, but there's a constant solo in the back. And I know there's this tech, me um, tech death, but because you're trying to, it's having this melo melodious moment with this technical solo, you can't really sit still. You can't really just focus on it. And it's just a constant barrage of noise. And the closest, the absolute closest, and it is like a hairline away, is in a song called Caliginous, Caligunus, Caliginous, Caliginous. We'll go with Caliginous. Caligelli. In Caligelli, they let the synth take the lead. So, uh, Beavers and Dovas take like a step behind and let the synths, which are very very black metal at this point, take the center stage. And there's a big melodic break where the synths are swelling the instrumentation, sort of like in company as well they all complement each other very very well and again it just doesn't it just it feels in the middle similar to what i said about star trek it feels in the middle and just sort of like dissipates and i feel like they are too afraid to let it happen i think when you have like melodic death influences people think in order to be melodic you need to be slow like I say about um, strapping young lads, you absolutely don't. I think it's the song Detox, where it's like this huge soaring vocal line that um, Devin Townsend has, but it's played behind blast beats. If you want like a more recent version, um, a more recent example, sorry, you look at You Laugh from the Devin Townsend project. The verses in that are like quite simple drum but it's still like double bass kicking and he's like using more of his like upright style vocals and then the core um the chorus line is sung by shan that is crushing like very abrasive vocals while still being very very fast melodic doesn't mean you have to play slow that's the whole that's been the whole ethos of melodic death metal look at at the gates or influence that kind of thing that's always what it's been about and Let's say Caliginous has always been, will be the closest they get to that. And I feel like if they just went like all the way into it and let it just build, build, build. And then I think just had a break where it was just the music and then a fill. And then it went back into the heavy verse. That song would have been the song of the album. They're currently unsigned. If they keep up like this, I don't think they will be much longer. I see them, like contemporaries for them, Gajira, Strapping Young Lad, Strapping Young Lad, who I mentioned before, and older Between the Berry and Me, like um, Colors Era Between the Berry and Me. They are, if you like that kind of thing, like the tech death sort of stuff, search this out. To me, I would prefer a little bit more melody and a little bit more chance for it to, for the synths to build and just to break, and then go back into the um, angrier shit. But that's personal preference. High recommend this. It's unfresh with the album Savior. Hang on, I need to take a little little beverage break. And now for the main event of this week's show. And an album that I think everyone who's got like a toe in alternative music has listened to already, but it is holy hell by the band Architect. It is their eighth studio album and the follow-up from the success of All Our Gods. All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us. And it is their first album without their guitarist and main songwriter Tom Searle, who sadly passed away 
just over a year ago now. And by that, it is their first album with Silosis frontman Josh Middleton on guitars. This album was always going to be... Like, it's always going to have a lot of eyes on it. It's always going to be under the microscope, based on the, how good and how well received All Our Gods was. And the comparisons I was thinking of is when Machine Head released Blackening, everyone was looking forward to Unto the Locust. When Green Day released American Idiot, everyone was waiting for 21st Century Breakdown. I know it's obviously like two very different kinds of music, but that point stands, huge, huge album, make or break album, and then you want to see how they follow up. With Tom's passing, there was more of that, more to find out what they were going to do, but this time people were willing it. They wanted so bad for this album to succeed. And by fucking God does it. This album is just incredible. Um, there is emotion strewn everywhere on this album. Um, just look at the song titles. You've got Death Is Not Defeat, Mortal After All, Dying To Heal. The lyrics to Hereafter, it is just... This, pain, this album is Pain the Musical. And even Dan Searle, Tom's brother, and Dan is a drummer as well. He stated that, broadly speaking, Holy Hell is all about pain. The way we process it, cope with it, and live with it. And it's so apropos for this album. It is hugely crushing on a music and emotive level. And although, like, like I said, music is very architecty, so you can sort, you can kind of guess what's about to happen next. A very, like, very slow chugging bit. Sam will say, like, the main vocal line of the song that goes into a huge breakdown. It's still got that, and it's still great, but uh, Josh Melton is all over this album as well. He became one of the principal songwriters for this album with Dan. And you look at a song like Damnation or Seventh Circle, it's got loads of like the Melodeath stuff that Josh was doing in Silosis in there. Which is just incredible because they haven't just ha had him come in to occupy a space and like to fill a void. They said, you are in this, you are in this band, you're also going to, we also want you to contribute and we also want to hear what you have to say. That just has so much confidence or speaks of so much confidence they had in Josh songwriting ability his ability to be be a musician like they vote like it's fairly well documented how good of friends josh is with the rest of the band of architects and vice versa and to let him come in filling this i don't want to say filling like replacing tom but almost like filling a void that he had left behind and just saying like okay we want you to put you in this album just as much as tom put him and him himself in the album it's fucking insane and the synth in this album I think the program was done by Dan it just makes like on top of everything else it's hugely emotive very heavy very crushing album like Seventh Circle is probably the closest I've got to or probably the closest architects have come to a melodic death metal well even just death metal in general since um, Hol um, Hollow Crown but the wall oh man the wall of noise from the synth is just incredible and I would love like, uh, Metallica did an S&M album a few years back which is basically them with a the San Francisco orchestra based on the synths in this album I would love for Architects to do something similar like a live show where they had a, um, as much of an orchestra as they could behind them to play either Holy Hell or General in full or try and get old songs and like rework it like Metallica did and to back that up with, excuse me, uh, back that up with Sam Carter. It, Sam Carter probably has one of the best vocals in heavy music right now. He can make you cry. He can make you smile. He can make you put your head through a wall. Even when he's at his most tender and you feel like he's about to just bust, like break down into a massive cry. You also at the same time just want to flip a school over. It is so, he's such a unique palette voice. And this whole album in itself, it's, it's so much more immediate than 
all our gods, like for me, all our gods took quite a few lists to really get behind and really, like after getting past the main singles and the, like the main songs that they released with the album, to get to the point where it was just like listen to the filler, I guess. It took quite a few listens, whereas this was almost like the third listen. I was like, I love this album from front to back. Everyone I've spoken to, they said it's like probably one of the top albums of the year for everyone. It's been so well received by actual critics and actual music reviewers. And it's incredible to think that this was pretty much all accomplished within two years of A, the last album, B, Tom's passing. I know, I think I think they said Doomsday was written around the time of All Our Gods. And now that I know that, listening back to it, it kind of makes sense. But to go from Doomsday and everything that Tom left behind to incorporating that into what the rest of the band want to put in as well, this album is an absolute fucking triumph. And while this album will always be lumbered by the tragedy surrounding it and like Tom's passing and that, everything else, it also shows that the next chapter for Architects, because there was a time where they were like, oh, we're not sure if we want to do it anymore without Tom. I think now with Josh on board, I have a feeling they will do. They just needed that time to sort of, I don't want to say go over it because that sounds like such a shit thing to say, but I guess process everything, get to a point where they want to start working again. That This new chapter for Architects, almost in defiance to everything that's happened to them, looks so fucking bright and looks so fucking good. And yeah, like I said, this album is an absolute triumph. I encourage you, if you, like I said before, like a passing uh, interest in emo, alt-rock, liquid basement, if you have a passing knowledge of anything heavy, search out this album if you haven't already. If you haven't already, I don't know why you are even listening to me, but Holy Hell by Architects is a fucking incredible album. I encourage everyone to go listen to it because for the three or four people listening to this and you haven't already, And with that, that'll be the last thing I'll say about Architects and about this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, in theory, providing something catastrophic doesn't happen, I will be back next week to give you more news about everything going on with Royal Alternative Music. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to come find me. I'm on various social medias. Just look for Desolation Sounds. I'll be around somewhere. And until next week, I'll speak to you guys soon. Bye-bye. That was gay. That was dumb. Oh, man.